Welcome to the With Ross podcast. Got a really fun one for you today. This one's an interview with my new friend Milo here in Mexico City. Milo's a young guy that really impressed me when I met him. He's only a couple years out of high school, but he's got some really interesting and ambitious business projects going on. And you'll hear about those in the show. And it was also the first episode where we had a live audience. We had someone listening in. You'll hear her interviewed at the end of the episode. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Milo. Welcome to the With Ross podcast. I'm here with Milo. Uh, I met Milo here in Mexico City. He has a really fascinating story, so I just wanted to sit down and talk with him. So I'll open with, where were you two years ago? Yeah, so I turned 18. I always kind of had a slightly Asperger-y type obsession with American Samoa. I just thought it was fascinating that we could take land and really not make it a state and just have all the benefits. And moved down there because I read a report that there's a big need for web design and digital consulting and spent nine months there. That was two years ago that you did that? Yeah, like about a year and a half. Okay. Because what I was getting at is you were in high school two yeah, years ago. I, <laughs> and then it led into going to American yeah. Samoa. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, about three months after high school. Okay. Yeah, so I went down there. And t- tried college for a little while, right? And then... Yeah, I, I, after American Samoa, I, I went to college for oh, about a semester. American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you did some really interesting things in American Samoa. You want to talk about your sure, yeah. business plan there? So, like, it kind of came to realize that the only real viable economic partner there, for the most part, was the government. We've done some digital consulting, mainly with the Department of Marine and Wildlife Resources. We've done stuff like modernizing their permit system, getting them a website. They haven't a website in years, you know, working on cybersecurity with them. And then, in a more altruistic sense, I've worked on launching the Territory's first blood donor registry, which is mm-hmm. a really crucial thing down there. We teamed up with the Rotary and the Lions Club, as well as the Interact Club, to bring that down there. Because there was uh, one person is already too many to die of a lack of blood, but there was more than one. So it's a real, really something where technology can help down there. What was the registry? Was it a website? Yeah, it's just a, it's a website with a back end that meets HIPAA compliance. It's just people registering with their blood donor uh, list. And then when there's a call for blood, we provide the list to the hospital. You told me before there's like 12 agencies or something and you got half of them as clients. Was that one of them? Yeah, so there, there's that one. And then I have a personal relationship with one of them outside of my partner. And there's a few other agencies that we're in talks with. So, yeah, it's... Slowly, slowly eating that little tiny market, making a little monopoly. And you have a plan to apply for a grant to do a conference there, right? Yeah, so this is really cool. So it's like the funniest of like assortment of countries, like Samoa and Tripoli and Nicaragua. It's like just random countries, but the State Department will give 25000 up to $50,000 for some sort of event or programming or grant making that meets some certain qualifications. So... We're strengthening the Indo-Pacific against China, talking about combating transnational crime, cybersecurity, that kind of stuff. So partnering with some locals to do a cybersecurity conference. Super cool. You're still writing that? You're still in the yeah, I, I'm almost done with it. So luckily I don't have to do all the financial stuff unless I win, oh. like 12 pages of stuff. But yeah, I got the, got the grant almost done. So you have to do like a line by line, like what you'd spend yeah. money on if you... Mm-hmm. Like half the questions sound like the other questions. <laughs> so gotcha. it's an interesting little process. 
I also wanted to ask you about your, you got a tiny home situation going on, right? Yeah, my family has four tiny houses. We have 45 acres in Northern Minnesota. And we have three kind of very Spartan monkish style tiny houses, the one a little more bougie, but it's been a, it's been a quite a little interesting endeavor down there. Do you think that's something you'll continue? Like, do you see yourself buying land maybe and doing it somewhere else? We're getting some land disputes wrapped up, but I have a really awesome Samoan woman, Afeo Langafuina, who I'm a great friend of, and she has some land down there. And me and a few other investors from Minnesota want to start doing tiny houses in American Samoa. That's so that awesome. would be a really fun experience. Is there a lot of people vacationing in American Samoa or to be locals or who would be your market? That's a, that's a good question. There's a limited <laughs> tourism. Like a lot of people go there because like they've been to every national park and this is like mm-hmm. one of the last, but we would probably be looking at more like leases with visiting researchers and government uh, employees yeah. or you know, people who just have a per diem, but gotcha. I think a little secluded bungalow with a little motorcycle by the water sounds pretty fantastic. Do people ever travel there from New Zealand, like the other countries nearby? I would say to some degree, I mean, probably more Western independent Samoa mm-hmm. than American Samoa, but there's certainly a, a New Zealand contingent there. Did you go to the other islands? I went to the Manuatele Islands, which are a part of American Samoa. So those really remote, beautiful ones I showed you. Mm-hmm. I was really a bummer. I left. So my flight came in. We brought COVID to the island. They had without oh. <laughs> COVID for like two years. Someone and, on your flight had it? Yeah, oh, like geez. a lot of people actually. And I was in quarantine for 18 days. No, but the Western Samoa, they they opened up the travel there one month after I left. So I was like kind of shaking my fist because yeah, I know it would have yeah. gone. And what, what is the national park? Is it, a, is it the beach or what do they have there? I would classify it in two parts. There's a uh, Ofu Beach, which is gorgeous. That's in the Manuatele Islands, and that's just mm-hmm. a big beachfront. But um, the National Park of American Samoa, when American Samoa became a U.S. territory, later on the U.S. There's no other national park like this. We we lease the land from Samoan families. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember the exact amount, but it's a considerable sum of money that's spent on that. Um, really respecting the the natives and their land rights, but big chunk of Tutuila, the main island of American Samoa, that's a national park. So it's leased for like 100 years or something? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of those 100-year leases are kind of misnomers because they have automatic renewals built in. But yeah, they, they lease, I think it's a couple hundred thousand dollars a year they pay. Going back, way back, what started your fascination with American Samoa? It's, um, I mean, I just saw the photos and it's beautiful, but there's just like a, it's like a weird, there's just something kind of weird about it, frankly, like the, the fact that it is associated with the U.S. and it's like exists. Yeah, like that's there's just so much weird about it. And like yeah. if you follow the politics down there, there's always something kind of crazy mm. going on. They certainly have the most autonomy out of any U.S. territory. And mm. you'll you'll see a lot of little shenanigans up there. What's the population? About 50, 55, 58,000. Oh. So it's like everyone knows everyone kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and this is the second most uh, Mormons outside of Utah, I believe, per capita. Fascinating. Per cap, per capita? Yeah. Wow. Churches all over? Oh, yeah, there's churches all over. Temples. yeah. Assembly of God is huge down there, but they, they oh. got a large Catholic and Mormon contingent. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about American Samoa is, uh, like, they have a public golf course there, and the green fee is, like, $8. You're not going to... 
<laughs> You're not gonna find that anywhere in the U.S. Did you pick up golf, or did you already play golf before? No, I didn't. I just uh, I, I hang out with a lot of guys at the golf course, though. It's a uh, just went to hang out. Yeah, like hang out. <laughs> I'm really bad at golf. <laughs> just drive around on the golf cart and yeah, I'll drive. Is the are there any big differences in laws? Is drinking age the same? The most one that's probably talked about is like cannabis. They're really strict about um, marijuana. Like I saw a, a, a kind of horrifying headline: guy got caught with rolling papers and not even marijuana, two two seeds, and he got I believe five years. But. That's all over the the Pacific. They're they're strict about that. More of a conservative culture. Is uh, I'd imagine with so few people, the crime rate is probably pretty low. It's probably pretty safe. And yeah, it's pretty safe. Fiji's really bad right now, but American huh. Samoa is really bad with the meth poison. Oh. Uh, and uh. there's a stupid amount of people on meth. It's, it's very sad. There's not the there's not a rehab facility on the island. So mm. certainly work that needs to be done there. Yeah. No, the the Pacific is um, well because you're kind of on that drug superhighway to Australia. Mm crossing from here to Mexico to there. <laughs> yeah, or just like North or, America in general, yeah. Gotcha. And you said that the Samoans have the highest rate of, was it casualties in the military? Yeah, the so they have the highest enlistment rate um, per capita. They beat any state or territory. And I recently learned they have the highest injury rate because a lot of them, um, they're a warrior culture and a lot of them mm. join the infantry and were very brave and go into the front lines. Did you meet a lot of veterans there? Was there? Yeah, it's you can always tell they're. So they serve and they come back. They. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, a close friend of mine who I won't name. He's a he's a prominent attorney on island, and he describes American Samoa as a retirement community. You know, you have your communal land shared, and maybe you have some family land. You go to the mainland and make your fortune, do your twenty years in the army, and then come back and build a house on your land. No property taxes. You own it free and clear, and you know it's a pretty good life. Yeah. <laughs> And you can always tell they're, they did their 20 years because they come back in nice trucks and it's, mm. it's free to get it shipped there. They're so. like the rich <laughs> the rich guys on the island? Yeah, That's they're cool. flexing, yeah. Huh. Is it overall, I'd imagine groceries and things are fairly expensive. Yeah, no, and like it's, it's kind of sad. There's like one, local, there's a handful of local groceries, but it's it's mostly multinational um, mm. conglomerates or foreign owners that, that operate the large grocers. So it's, the money just kind of gets sucked out of that. Foreign American or foreign uh, well, other? The, the main one, like, there's a, definitely a Chinese-Korean contingent, uh, but there's um, one big Canadian company, um, cost you less. They, they obviously provide value in their service. It's just a lot of money shipped out of the community. And where did you live? Did you have roommates? Did you live on the beach? I lived on a very modest house in Pavaya'i um, by American Samoa Community College um, for the majority of it. And then the last bit, I uh, traded on the website with a beachside resort and I posted up there for about a month. <laughs> nice. You got yeah. a month's rent for trading a website? Yeah. So I went from the, like, the no Traded wide... building the website for them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I went from the, you know, the, <laughs> kind of a, very modest house too by the beach side so i kind of won by the end yeah seriously that's awesome how many samoan websites have you built we're like six now and i just okay. um signed the deal with the radio station over in western samoa so i'll be bringing all the stuff i've done oh. in american samoa over there as well how do you get clients coming to american samoa i knew it was an insular island community and i didn't have any credibility so i teamed up with the radio station hmm particularly uh, Joey Cummings, the station manager, and Larry Fuss, the owner. Larry, who's a really an industry veteran, uh, like National Association of Broadcasters, uh, former board member, et cetera. I, I cold called him one night, and 
was willing to have a conversation about it, and uh, they've they've really been amazing with introductions, and then also probably 15 radio ads a day, I would say. You do radio ads? You run yeah, radio ads? Yeah, so like they, uh, we're, we're on a 50-50 split, and they, uh, that's their, their, their pan in it, is the uh, lead generation. Uh, okay. Yeah. Is it... How how did you do those radio ads? Is it your voice or? Oh God, no! It's this is actually kind of cool. So radio stations have something called a voice bank. Uh-huh. So because you just don't want your, only your voice on the radio station. So Joey put in a request with our script, and then somebody hit us back with a with a narration. He edited it up. Like a Fiverr gig or something, or? No, it's like a Slack group of just radio station owners. Huh. So you know, let's do a call for a voice. And then. What do they get out of the deal if they if someone narrates the commercial? I don't well, it's they're, uh, they they also own radio stations, so like they'll put in calls too. So everybody's just swapping voices. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So they just trade. Yeah, the narration I'll do a spot service. for you. You just do me a favor down the line, just to have a little bit of diversity within the voices for the ads. Interesting, and that's that's converting a little bit. Yeah, I think I've gotten like three or four leads like nothing fantastic but we'll we'll be rolling out a new site in the coming weeks like talking about the work with young for the government and the american samoa national olympic committee mm-hmm. so we'll have some case studies and stuff so hopefully that will change the game does the american samoa have their own olympics yeah right? oh mm-hmm. so i don't i don't i should know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah they have something about like being grandfathered in huh do they have any good athletes? Do they ever win gold medal? I think there's like been a few in the past. I don't know about Olympics, but I know in terms of like boxing and wrestling, the Samoans are pretty globally known for being badasses. What about football? I, there's I a lot of big Samoans. That's a... Well, I think there's multiple American Samoans in the Super Bowl this year. Okay, yeah, I bet. Uh, you know Tua from the Dolphins? I don't. I haven't watched football in years, but... Me either, but he's big. Yeah, they have some stupid statistic about, like, what percent higher they are to go to the NFL than the average state. Huh. It's, like, really high. More likely to join the military, more likely to go to the NFL. There's, like, 13-year-olds that are, like, 6'2", 300 pounds. That's crazy. <laughs> it's stupid, yeah. So you left American Samoa, like, a year ago? Or? Yeah, I left um, April 12th. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah, yeah almost a year, yep. And then what brings you to Mexico City? I've been kind of blessed to have recently gotten a couple of retainer clients on retainer personally. And from there, I'm just looking for a place with a low cost of living and a lot of museums. So here I am. But you only, this is just a month, right? And then you're going yeah. back to? Back to Minnesota. And then I'll be in uh, Yellowstone National Park for oh, right. a couple of months. With a, yeah, working at the front desk there. But yeah. be fun. Front desk. In a hotel on Yellowstone, right? Yeah, it's in yeah. the park. Which I, I'm shocked by it and realized that they did that. <laughs> so it's a so you're not a government employee. You're a private hotel employee. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. work for a Wyoming oil billionaire. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> no, but yeah, apparently they can lease the lodges from the National Park Service and then operate them uh, as hotels. Okay, okay. I was thinking when you first told me about that, I was thinking you were gonna work for the National Park Service as like one of their lodges. But... I'm sure, that's very competitive. I don't know. Maybe. There, I know that's for seasonal, a lot of people like you that are like in between school or in between work or whatever, mm-hmm. do it for a summer and you don't need a degree or anything to do it. But no. I guess everybody has labor shortages right now. Yeah, exactly. So even right now, it's probably easier than usual. 
What's your next plan after this? Back to Minnesota for a handful of days and then yeah. either got to book a flight or take a long bus over to Bozeman, Montana. Cool. And then we also have a third person listening in with us, Lee, right? Do you want to introduce yourself and how you came to Mexico City? Sure. My name is Lee. I'm originally from New York. I currently live in Queens. My background is in cyber resilience. And I've worked with for some of the big four consulting firms. I've worked for KPMG, IBM, and other firm after that. I have about seven years' experience in cybersecurity. Prior to this career, I was a 911 dispatcher in D.C. Oh. Um, got kind of tired of it. Um, ended up going back to school, so I went back for the master's in computer science. Um, I knew that I wanted to get into cyber because when I lived in D.C., I had a number of friends that worked in cyber for the government. They told me about all the opportunities and the salary. I had a chance to volunteer with a friend, um, a friend of a friend, as he had a uh, popular meetup group on meetup.com. And I was so inspired. I left the job, packed my stuff, moved back to New York City. I'm where I'm originally from and enrolled full time in the uh, graduate program. Mm. So um, within nine months... I was able to um, have a full-time remote gig um, at IBM, making a pretty generous salary for a uh, for an intern. So my last semester and a half, I was full-time student and full-time worker as well, even though it was remote. And I've worked for some of the big financial firms in New York City. I've worked local government and even some of the larger healthcare organizations on the West Coast of this country. Awesome. You're and you're working now, or you're on sabbatical, right? I'm on sabbatical, so. I resigned my position, just wanted to do some traveling. So I said, uh, I've always wanted to visit Mexico City. So I said, let's start uh, right here and explore Central and South America before rainy season hits. Um, and then I may head over to Europe, uh, circle the globe, and uh, find my way back to New York. Awesome. So where else is specifically on the agenda? Are you going to stay in Mexico or go south or where before yeah. you go to Europe? So I'd like to visit some of the other cities uh, in Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, Beach Town, maybe a few others. From here, it's kind of a loose plan. Yeah. I'd like to visit San Jose, Costa Rica, Medellin, Colombia, and also Panama City before heading off to Europe. Those are some of my top places I want to go as well in South America. <laughs> oh, I can take some recommendations. So what's your Europe plans, Lee? I'd really like to spend some time in uh, London and uh, okay. also uh, Southern Europe, maybe like Nice, France. Um, I also plan to uh, visit Portugal as well. Okay, nice. I've heard good things about all those places. Portugal is cracking down on the digital nomads right now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Until recently, they were just like, everyone tell them. Yeah. And now they're like, you're taking over. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. So Western Europe, pretty mm -hmm. much. Okay. I'm supposed to meet some friends in uh, Thailand and Japan oh. uh, around the end of May. So cool. um, that'll be quite the trip. My friend is actually from Thailand. We're planning to go to like a, a elephant farm or something, ride the elephants. Those are super popular in Thailand, yeah. yeah. Have you been to Asia before? I have not. So I'm really looking forward to trying some of the authentic food. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to think New York City is like the center of the universe for diversity in food, but... I, uh, I I really look forward to uh, that authentic cuisine there. It's totally different. How's the Mexican food in Mexico compared to Mexican food in New York? It is amazing. I don't know how I'm ever going to 
eat at a Mexican restaurant in New York City again or wherever I'm, hey, I'm traveling. Five times more for a taco that's not right. half as good. I also love cactus now, so. Oh, yeah. Nepal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had pulque? Do you know what that is? No, what is it? It's a cactus liquor. It's a low alcohol percentage, like three or 4% like a beer. It's like a cheap alcohol drink that they serve in bars. I'm definitely gonna have to try that. Some people like it, some people can't stand it. Yeah. But. Feel free to follow me on Instagram where I'm documenting my journey. So it's Lee Circles the Globe. Lee, L-E, Circles the Globe. Lee, L-E, Circles the Globe. Do you have any, anywhere you want people to find you? Um, Milo? You can send me an email at Milo at South Seas Broadcasting. Best way to get in touch with me. Sounds good. All right, it's been awesome having you guys on and uh, look forward to following you guys on social media.